You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with host Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you. Welcome to the Choose to Be podcast, everyone. Thank you for joining our conversation today. So this is going to be a quick episode. This topic just kind of came up as we were ending and wrapping up another episode. And uh, I saw another aspect to what we had been discussing around when you discover or your child discloses their own experimenting with pornography and masturbation and, and really honing in on how important it is. I think for me, at least one of the most impactful things that I was hoping everyone got out of that was the, the power of connection and how important it is as a parent to connect with your child and establish that healthy connection and attachment so that you are creating safety so that they will talk to you. And even eventually if they aren't right now and how important it is to work on that connection and something that kind of another aspect of that, that came to mind that didn't necessarily fit in that episode. And so we're going to create a new episode out of this today is how that also is true for your partner. So if your partner is struggling with a sexual addiction and those types of struggles and challenges that y'all are facing, how common is it to blame their parents or be frustrated with their parents and almost drop into this, like looking for justice to happen, right? That validation for you and you want, and I'm going to just go ahead and gender here. Okay. You want his parents to like do something about it. When in all reality, at that point, one of the best things that his parents can do is create connection, is create safety. Even if that's not being utilized at that time, even if your partner isn't telling his parents or turning to his parents, sometimes what I see happen is we get very frustrated that they're not on like our side. They're not validating us or really just coming onto our side. And I know what that feels like. And yet to this, to this point of connection and attachment, if your in-laws are putting you aside and connecting more to their child, that is exactly where they need to be because of what we were talking about in the last few episodes about attachment to primary caregiver, that never goes away, no matter how old you are. And when there is so much unhealthy there, if there is so much unhealthy there already, then it's never too late to work on those attachments and healing those wounds. And if the addiction is a catalyst to heal those wounds, then I say, parents, take it. And spouse, back away. Let that be because that is actually ultimately better for them to have you out of the way and parent and child working on those attachments. It's funny because what you're saying right now, depending on where I was at in my recovery, I would have been like, I hate what you're saying. That would be my initial reaction. And then I would have to work through that. But there were times where I really needed a bad guy and my poor in-laws 
took on that role because I took all of the culture pieces, all of his acting out, how his parents responded. And really his parents were responding in the way that they were trained to respond by their parents and by culture. But in my brain, they really became the bad guys because at least in my situation where I was trying to work on the marriage and I was trying to see Luke through a better light, they felt safe to get mad at. And, and there were pieces that of course they could have done differently. There's pieces with my own kids. I could do differently or could have done differently. Like I think about, (laughs) I think about my kids and I'm like, if they get married young, I want to just be like to their future spouse of like, I wasn't done. There's still much, so much more that they need to learn. And please don't judge me. Please don't judge me. I am like trying my best. Like I think about that. Also, just a side note, like as a therapist, I feel this extra pressure sometimes of like, I need to really produce healthy kids. And the reality is we're all learning and growing, Mm -hmm. but I see so often in my groups, this theme come up with the frustration around the in-laws and, and I just want to validate that. I want to validate that's really real that you it's okay. And there's a time and a place for you to work through all of those. And all of those feelings are valid. And there's some really healthy, important work that needs to be done often with the person who has had this type of acting out with their own parents. Yeah. I remember feeling like that secondary betrayal almost with my in-laws because I felt like they were taking his side. I felt like they were discounting me. I remember thinking, what did I do to have my integrity questioned that you're choosing to believe him over me? I was sad. I was angry. I was hurt because it didn't make sense to me why here's evidence. You see what's happening and you're kicking me out of the tribe. You're questioning me. And when they were part of my tribe, that felt very threatening and dangerous to my brain. And so it was really, it was tragic, honestly, to feel that and to experience that. And so you're right. Like (laughs) I started off with a bang and I, it's very uncomfortable to hear that. It's very threatening. I would hate myself too hearing that. In fact, when my therapist told me what I just said, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, nope, nope. This is what they need to be doing. Nope. And it goes along with, I think we've mentioned this before several times. It goes along with when you're in this desperate state to fix them, to have this gone out of your life because it's wreaking so much havoc. You really are looking to anyone and everyone to help fix them, to make your pain go away, to solve this ecclesiastical leaders, anybody friends is common as well, but especially their parents. And so you're right. You go through the line of like, this is what they need to do. This is what they should be doing this. They shouldn't be doing that. But what I've learned is that that's not helpful to me. And I really do. I I can look and appreciate how my in-laws handled it in the sense of they did exactly what parents need to do in that moment. I'm not the blood daughter even though they talked about like, it would they love me. Like I'm blood. We made all those comments. It's still not my ex is their blood. And so they did exactly what they needed to do by holding on to that connection because the fear of losing their child was very real. 
with the level that where, where he was at in, in where he's at in his life. And that's very scary for them to have all of that realization, I would imagine. Right. And so they did the right thing by holding on to that connection and keeping the door open, even if he wasn't ready. And I'm not going to assume to know all the details around that after I left, but I'm just going to assume here, trying to keep that door open so that if he is ready to connect and heal some attachment wounds, then they've created that space to do so. And as you've heard us talk so much about attachment and the importance of it, I just think stepping back and looking at that piece in a different way is helpful. And that's why we wanted to do this quick episode. Not only did that for me, and Alana, I'd love to hear how, like where you've landed with this, but for me, number one, just letting go of needing them to validate me, needing them to save me, protect me, support me was freeing. And it helped me lean more into the space I needed to be. And that's love me, validate me, protect myself. It helped me to create healthy boundaries, helped me to see reality a little bit better. And it helped me to let go of an unhealthy relationship And even unhealthy within that family. And so I think all in all, it was exactly the right thing for them to do. But like you were saying before, there was so a time when I was looking very heavily for them to fix him, to make me feel better. I love all of that. And I completely agree. And where I stayed in the relationship and I still have active relationships with my in-laws It helped me be able to pull back and then create a healthier relationship with them to build a new relationship that was healthier. And I look at how, I remember one time a conversation with my mother-in-law and she said, I've got Luke for eternity. Like my relationship with him forever. If you choose to leave this marriage, I totally support you. Every choice that he made was not okay. All of his acting and behaviors are unacceptable. That was really validating to hear. I was going to say, wow, that'd be nice. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I know like not a lot of people get that, but she did. She said like, that's not okay. And I will love him unconditionally and I will love him forever. And if you choose to leave the marriage, I, I get that. Yeah. And my father-in-law, one of the most painful things he ever said And now I can look at it. And by the way, I held on to this for years, but when everything first came out and it was about the time that Luke came back home and his dad looked at him with so much love and empathy and said, all of these years of caring, this must've been so hard for you. And so much like, and in that moment, that message he had for his little boy his little boy who really had been hurting and been so alone and been making stupid choices and knowing that he was making these terrible choices. That was a father who was just wrapping his son in his arms. The unfortunate thing is I was sitting there right there where I was dying inside. I could barely function and, and people weren't recognizing or seeing that pain. And so because of me hearing that my pain was so triggered of his pain matters. Your pain doesn't matter that I went into a really deep spiral and I 
that like our relationship suffered for years because of that. But my pain was so great. I couldn't see really what was happening and what father to son, like what he was trying to do and what he was trying to do was actually a beautiful thing that he wasn't saying his behavior was okay. He was not excusing the behavior, but he was seeing his son at a really deep level. And that very vulnerable little boy who still needed to know that he at his core is okay. Yeah. Which is such a root of a lot of these addictions is some healing that needs to happen in those primary attachments being seen. A lot of these men have experienced early trauma and have held on to that in secret and shame and haven't been able to express that. And so there's, this is just another part of the work that, that the addict needs to do. And part of that is with primary attachment with mom and dad. Here's the thing is I know that especially like how generations work, that there are a lot of parents who don't want to do the work or can't do the work, refuse to do the work. Right. And so the person who's acted out is not, they don't have to have the parent be part of it. Correct. So if they can, and if they have a willing parent, that is just so awesome and beautiful that they can together heal that attachment wounds can still be mourned and grieved and worked through, even if they don't have a parent. It's so amazing that we can do that in work with people to heal that. So good, great point. So, yeah. Yeah. Point. Earlier I had, I didn't mention that. And then we went on and I was like, oh no, somebody's going to hear. Yeah. He has to work with his parent or he can't get better. And that's not the case, not the case at all. But I'm hoping that as Amy and I are talking about this and it's okay, if you're not ready to embrace this, I was not ready for this for years, but I want to plant the seed and just make space for their role and make space for pieces that can be happening that our pain may be blocking us from really seeing or understanding. Yeah. And I love that you said that. And again, I know we say this all the time because I feel like for me, my biggest fear is triggering women on, I mean, that's one of the biggest vulnerabilities for me doing a podcast is saying something that triggers, you know, especially, and that's, we say this so many times, but I love that we've got you and me on this podcast. I think that I don't know any other podcast that does a coach and a therapist. So we're always trying to cover our bases here and bring up why you might be triggered by that, why you might not be ready for that piece. But I do want to lean into what I know will help you heal and move forward. And large part, because I, it's helped me heal and move forward with these tools that I'm offering, but there's a time and a space that you're ready for that. And so I'm always going to offer you thoughts and tools to help you move forward and you can pick it up or you can put it down. You can maybe put it in your back pocket to pull out later. And so I'm prefacing that because I'm about to lay one on you. That was really hard for me to hear. My coach offered me this years ago around my in-laws when I was still very stuck. I was remarried and I was still really stuck with this betrayal from them. Like they, yeah, just a lot of thoughts around how, what they shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. Well, they shouldn't, they should, they should. And it just still felt so threatening. 
and hurtful in their thoughts and feelings about me at that time. Even if most of those were assumed, it still felt very hurtful for me. And because I did, I love them. And they were such a huge part of my life. I don't say love, duh, love. I do love them. And so one of, but one of the things that she said to me was what they think and feel about you is none of your business. And I literally gasped. I was like, <clears throat> and I was like, yeah, it is. If they're saying things, if they're doing things, if they, if, if what they do is impacting me, blah, 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 blah. Like I just pushed back. And the more that I tried that thought on what they think and feel about me is none of my business. I will tell you, I became more and more free. It loosened the binds that were holding me back from really thriving. And so I want to just throw that out there. Again, you can chuck it. You can spit it out. You can put it in your back pocket for a later day. But I want to offer that with my conviction that it freed me to let go of their thoughts and feelings about me, about my decision, about all of it. And knowing that they have an absolute right to think and feel what they want about all of it. And that doesn't have to change my thoughts and feelings about my actions and the things that I felt like I needed to do at that time with what I knew at the time. So really separating yourself from in-laws, putting things in perspective, putting maybe the correct lenses on will help you to become more free and lean into the true healing and thriving that I know a lot of you want, which is why you're listening. <laughs> you're, just like, you're like, and what do I say to that? You know, <laughs> I don't have anything to add other than, yeah. And that is what we want for each of you. That is the whole point of this podcast is to help you be able to move forward and heal. And not just like survive, but really thrive in life because it is absolutely possible. And I do see women who are 10 years in and are still so stuck and so miserable. And I don't want that for you. Right. I want you to be able to be happy and free and healed. Yeah. So if, if you're stuck and you're feeling like, what's, why am I still stuck? What's that missing piece? That's why I keep offering these thoughts and these tools, even though they're hard, try it on, see if it loosens something up, see if it's that piece that's missing because there is something missing. If you're still stuck, if you feel like you can't move forward, it is nothing outside of you. It is a thought that is keeping you from moving forward that we need to let go of. That feels so dangerous to let go of sometimes. That felt so dangerous to let go of what they thought and felt about me. So dangerous. So that took a lot of practice leaning into. But I just had to practice. Yeah, one step at a time. And it loosened it up. I hope this episode wasn't triggering. If it did trigger something, let that be information for you. That there's a piece of information. There's an area that we just discovered. Oop, there's something tender there. Let's yeah. figure out what that is so we can work through it. Yeah. And Amy and I love being on your healing journey. We really love being on your healing journey. We love being with you strong individuals who want to move forward and want to heal. 
There's nobody else I'd rather hang out with and spend time with is people who are dedicated and moving forward. Those are my people. So as always, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being part of the conversation and we'll see you next week. Hey everyone, guess what? I am finally holding my dating after divorce three day course. I don't hold these very often. So if you or someone you know is divorced and super scared to date, have completely sworn off men, or really wants to have an amazing dating experience, wherever they're at, this course is right for them. Head over to chooserecoveryservices.com or the show notes for more information about this course, but we are going to have a ton of fun. Also, don't forget the Revive and Thrive Divorce Retreat is also coming up in October and Alana and I cannot wait to hang out with y'all. So get your spot for that as well over at chooserecoveryservices.com. Until then, keep on choosing recovery, choosing to heal, and choosing you. Take care, everybody.